this question I've seen uh, kicked around the last couple of days. Now, you know, we, we use this term a lot, um, you know, maybe later in the season, but it is certainly right now with the way they started, certainly the opponent, uh, you have a short week and you have a pretty good opponent coming in in Philadelphia. I know the Eagles are a bit beat up right now, but that's still a team that's not, you know, a year and change removed from the Super Bowl. And they were a playoff team last year. And a lot of people think they're a Super Bowl contender this year. So that's obviously a tough game. Denver winless. Um, they got screwed last week. Big no time. doubt about it. They did get handily trounced, though, in week one uh, by a pretty bad Oakland team. Um, so the question then becomes for the Packers, do you worry that this is a trap game, a look-ahead game? I know, Nelson, you and I, when Evo was on vacation, we did the final schedule predictor before week one. It kind of circled games that could be trap games. This one wasn't initially on the list. Nelson was rattling off to me yesterday how this could be a trap right, game. Right, but that's why I'm asking because, Nelson, after the 2-0 start, do you want to amend that? I know we had had the Raiders. We had some of the games later in the season. Does this now fit the definition of a uh, of a trap game in your opinion? In my mind, it totally does. You start out 2-0. You beat two division foes, big rivalries, teams that – some people didn't even think you could win. You might start 0-2, you're two, but you're 2-0. Denver 0-2. They got a bad taste in their mouth from that Chicago last minute. Not happy. Their head coach, Vic Fangio, has been with the Bears. He pretty much has shut down Aaron Rodgers the last few years other than that one miracle comeback where he came back out of the game with the, the leg injury. Yep. And if you look at it, you got a short week the next week for Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is the better team. So I wouldn't be surprised if they game plan a little bit for the Philly game as well because it would be a short week. I just think there's a lot of different components going into this game that are negatives for the Packers. Well, then you have Joe Flacco, who I'm not a believer in Joe Flacco. Are you guys a believer in Joe Flacco? The, no. Are you a believer in the no. Packers' defense, though? Yes. All right, so the Packers' defense, is this another game when the Packers win it with their defense, or does the offense break out? But that's the thing. Denver's got a probably the top five defense right. as well. I they, mean, this is crazy because people are, and to your question, Evo, and look, I'm not going to give Rodgers and LaFleur a pass completely. I mean, there are some some things that need to be sorted out, no doubt. But, I, you know, people are losing their mind already. And, you know, you, you could go Bears, Vikings, Broncos, and to Nelson's point, I could totally see – the end of the season, the Bears, the Broncos, and the Vikings all being finishing the season top five total yeah. defense. And, yeah. you know, if Rodgers, again, only has 220 and a touchdown on Sunday, we're going to say, see, what's going on? And, I mean, there is some truth to that because if you are a great offense, I mean, like right now, look at what Pat Mahomes and Kansas City is doing. If you're a great offense, you can score on anybody. But – I mean, to Nelly's point, you are possibly playing another time. So I don't even know how to read this game truly on Sunday other than I, I know the, the Packers, they were an underdog in week one. They were a t they were basically a pick em in week two. There's no ambiguity here. The wise guys are saying the Packers should kick the hell out of the Broncos. What were you going to say, no? No, it's just, yeah, I think the Green Bay Packers, if they score over 21 points in this game, I expect them to win. But this is a defense in Denver that could basically make it a 2017 game. And if it's if it's a score for the Packers under 21 points, I feel like that's a toss-up. Well, keep in mind the Raiders put 24 points up on the Broncos. And Mitch Trubisky was able to put up 16. He could only put up three against the Packers defense. 
Yeah, but, but on the I know flip, Trubisky's a, flip side of that, uh, Flacco also put up, what was it? On the Raiders or the? The Bears, wasn't it 14? 14. He put up 14. Packers-led offense by Aaron Rodgers put up 10. Well, and then on the flip side, on the going back, 608-321-1670 Packer fans, on the flip side of that, then Evo would be, out of the three teams they played so far, I would still say the Vikings have the best offense. Um, and the Packers' defense, again, held a pretty good offense to 16 points. I think it's probably a toss-up. I might even say the Bears have a better offense than the Broncos. I mean, what what scares you on the Bronco offense? <sighs> Cortland Sutton? Royce Freeman? Philip mm. Lindsley? Joe Flacco? No. Uh, I mean, th- this might be the worst. Of, so if, if the Out of Packer, the three quarterbacks, who's the best? Cousins, Cousins. Flacco, Trubisky. I'd say Cousins. Yeah, and that's not saying that's much not, either, right? Because <laughs> Cousins is not. Good. But it's my point. If this if this Packer defense is that legit, and you held the Bears to three points and the Vikings to sixteen points, you know nothing on Denver's offense scares me. Man, I no. love Troy Fumagalli. Shout out to my ex Badger homie. Only their defense is scary. Um, but Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders has played really well this year. Do you know he's coming back and it's only been like six or seven months from an Achilles tear? Yeah, he's a beast. He's been balling. But you got Joe Flacco throwing him the ball. But yeah, Joe Flacco, not elite, never has been, never, never will be. be. No, I yeah, I the the, the Broncos. Uh, is Cousins better than Flacco, Nelly? In my mind, he is. Yeah, just yeah, I, slightly. Yeah, I think that you know. I, again, these aren't great quarterbacks they played, so you got to. I don't even know if I go slightly. Well. I think I'd definitely say Kirk Cousins is better. Oof. Uh, Chad, welcome to the Joe and Evo Show. Hey guys, how's it going? What's Doing up, good, Chad? Man. Hey, uh, Nelson, I think you're dead wrong. And have you seen Carson Wentz try to play quarterback the last two weeks? <laughs> yeah, he's been struggling. It, he's a shell of his former self. He looks like Todd Gurley back there trying to run. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately have him on my fantasy football team, Chad. I know all too well. <laughs> but I mean, even I, I was appalled at the play from even Matt Ryan. Those two guys that were former MVPs that looked like complete studs just. And neither of those defenses are even close to what uh, Green Bay, uh, Minnesota, or even the Bears' defense looks like. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. They look terrible. Do you think it's a trap game on Sunday against the Broncos? Yeah, because you're going to be looking ahead to that Eagles game. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's a non-NFC game. Who gives a shit if it's crap if they lose? You're good. You're good. We got a dump button, Chad. We, we dumped you, Chad. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, go ahead. It, it, no, it's just a it, trap game written all over it because you're looking ahead to that big Thursday night game. Plus, I, I, once again, this is another perfect example of why Thursday night games are so terrible. Oh, they're awful. The Eagles are gonna, the Eagles are gonna come in super banged up. They're already a mash unit, and there's no way that it's even the best product on the field. Yeah, for both the teams NFL. are already giving their players, uh, you know, rest. Rest. Yesterday, the Packers went through a walkthrough, and the Eagles, I think, went through a walkthrough as well. They didn't even practice. Yeah, thanks. in preparation for Thursday. Th- thanks for the phone call, Chad. And he's right. I mean, look, you want, and that. I mean, that's a whole other topic for another day. It's the Thursday night football game, but he's right. Um, you know the. There's no way you're getting your best product uh, from either team on Thursday. But to the question at hand, the the, the relevant topic uh, is Sunday. And, you know, does that concern you as a Packer fan because you know you have this game on Thursday and, you know, you have to basically th- – Sunday's a two-for-one. You know, like when you played the Bear game, it was awesome because you knew 
Win or lose, you had 10 days until you played the Vikings. Well, they're already thinking about Thursday night football. Not this Thursday, next Thursday, because LaFleur was talking about it after practice. That's my or, point. Or after walkthrough yesterday, is that we're we, this is a mental health day. We need to get our guys rested up for a Thursday night football. You still got a game to play on Sunday before the Eagles game, so there are it's already in the front of the lobe, and they're thinking about it. And the Packers have a beat-up offensive line. You have Bakhtiari that was on the injured list. What was it, Lane Taylor? Did he also come up on the list? So their line's a little banged up too. And you're going against Bradley Chubb. You're going against Von Miller. Yeah, Von Miller's a beast. Those are some of the most physical defensive linemen slash outside linebackers out there. Yeah, 608-321-1670. I mean, there's two... Two two points there, you guys. I mean, yeah, there's the, are you worried about Sunday? And then there's the the fact that they have to play this game on Thursday. But, I mean, I don't want to start a Packer pity party here because every team has to play the Thursday night game. The one, there is a good thing. At least you get it over with in week four. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, can you imagine how bad does the teams that are in week 11 have to play on Thursday when your team's probably already ravaged by injuries? Plus, then you, you get play, it at home. And you and get it at you home. You had a home game prior to it, so you don't have to travel. Right, and, and on top of it, the team you're playing is way more injured than exactly. you are right now. Now, I mean, I say that, and then probably seven Packers starters go out on Sunday. But right now, Packers have been pretty lucky. I mean, they've lost one player, Raven Green, uh, you know, a role player, but they have not lost. You know, the, the Eagles are going to be without Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. So you yeah, know, they're, 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 there's that part of it uh, as well. <laughs> Did we get a consensus, Nelly? Is there a difference? And I guess it would apply for this game too, Ebo. Is there a difference between a trap game and a look-ahead game, or is it the same thing? Did we ever? Because we had this discussion for South Florida. I, I feel like it's the same. I, I think it's the same too, but I don't think South Florida was a look-ahead or a trap game because it's your first game of the right. season. You had six months to get ready for <laughs> right. it. Yeah. That's why. That's why the Minnesota or like the the Minnesota win is more impressive for the Packers than the Bears win. It's because of preparation. Opinion, because they had less time to get ready for the game. The Bears, they had six months, but I do think the Bears game was a bigger win because they needed to start off one Yeah, game. I feel you on that one. No, trap and look ahead, the same. Um, right? right? Can they be different? That's the, I mean, put it on a question. Put it put it on Twitter. Is there a difference between – or put it on a poll or just an opening – is there a difference between a trap game – and a look-ahead game. It may be a, a yes or no question because that's – I mean, that is what this game is if there is a difference or not. Is there a difference between a trap game and a, a look-ahead game? Well, how because would you define a look-ahead game? That they they are not worried about this game. It's because you're playing a game that either – like next week, if you win that game, it gets you into the playoffs. Or next week's game is against your biggest rival. Or in this case, next week's game is against a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. So then flip that. How would you de- define trap game? Yeah. and I, the, <laughs> I think it's right. the same exact thing. <laughs> well, I put it up as a poll. No, I, I, I think, look, you could say trap game because you're not ready for it. Because you don't take the Broncos seriously. That's where it's a trap game. You, but that's I don't just th- like looking ahead not to the necess- next week. Well, I mean, again, this is a great discussion. Well, I mean, they're already looking ahead to the Philadelphia Eagles because they're resting players and having a walkthrough yesterday and Correct. not practicing players. But maybe I don't necessarily believe that Sunday's a trap game. So they're looking ahead to the Eagles already because of the practice situation and the yada, yada, yada. But I don't think Sunday's a trap game against the Broncos. The more I think about it now, Nelson, I think there is a difference between a look-ahead game and I think I could argue that it's the same thing, 
But I think, you know, when, like, why do teams, you know, and college football would be the greatest example. And you've already had a few of them this year. You know, when, when teams that are these, you know, you've seen these 27 point underdog teams win, is I would have to think Nelson to say where it's a trap game because they don't take that team seriously because they believe that you could put out, you know, I believe Michigan, I know they won, but I guarantee Michigan thought all they had to do was show up two weeks ago against Army and they would win. They didn't have to play their best game. They didn't have to, you know, they, there's no look ahead for Michigan because they had a bye week last week. Now, I suppose you could say Michigan was two weeks looking at Wisconsin, although that's a stretch. I just think Michigan believed all they had to do was show up and they could beat Army. And that obviously wasn't the case. They, it was a miracle that Michigan won that game. So would you say that is like a trap game because they they underestimated that just showing up would be enough to bolt race because they're the 10th ranked team in the country and it's Army? Well, I think you also have that bye coming up soon where they were going to start looking ahead to Wisconsin. But that's where looking ahead and a trap game are just interchangeable. I like this question now. Before it I get, makes now you I, think. Now I, need I like more, it. I need more coffee. Yeah. Well, okay, Michigan, did they have a look-ahead game against Army or a trap game against Army despite having a bye week afterwards? Right. Why and would you have a look-ahead exactly. or a trap game and you, you have wouldn't. a bye week after the, you know, the week after? It's a, good, it's a good question. My head hurts. All right, speaking of Michigan, it's, it's a tough ticket to get, right? I've seen um, you know, on the, the buy-sell trade in Facebook or uh, the StubHub uh, or some of the ticket sites, uh, people, you know, being the job that I have, I get calls all the time, as I'm God sure you guys same. do too. Oh, can you give me tickets? Can no, me tickets? I can't. Um, and this would be one where, yeah, I, I can. There's I mean, two I ways. Could, I, possibly, I, but... I, I could get, no, you could. And so could I. Do I want to? Well, hang on. Here's how, if the next time someone calls you to say, hey, Evo, can I get tickets to the Michigan game? Here's what you say. Say, yep, we're running this contest today on the show, or... We're going to also be giving some away on our Plinko board Saturday at the Red Zone on the Zombas pregame bash. That's what I tell my friends. There you go. So, and one of them today, if you want to win a pair of tickets to Wisconsin, Michigan, here's what you got to do channel your inner coach speak like this. You play football like Engineer played football. A guy who gave his life for this football team. He was a 140 pound halfback and he played like a goddamn wild man. No, like a goddamn rampaging beast. And that's the way you gotta do it. You go out there, you tear your heads off, and you down their necks. Let us pray. Now that <laughs> is a yeah. <laughs> Let us pray. Let us pray. That is a pump up speech. I'm I'm amped just listening to it. If you want to give us your best pump up speech today on the show, 608-321-1670. we'll take your information, and uh, we will uh, we will decide as a, a group here. Uh, which one we think is the uh, the best, and uh, you, we will hook you up with a pair of tickets. Yeah, it's really That's easy. That's a pretty sweet deal. You just call in, pump us up, and then we grade it at 10 a.m. We'll reward the winner then. You got it. Very so easy. Have, and it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't and have to. And it's free for you to And it's do. free. And it doesn't have to be Wisconsin, Michigan. Obviously, extra credit points if you can relate it to this game. But it could just be a generic pump-up speech that we could fire up, you know, us as the fans, who knows? We've got connections at the UW. Maybe I can, we can get it into the locker room. Maybe we can get it up on the Jumbotron, you know, between like a play or something. Yep. So um, give us your best pump-up speech, 608-321-1670. Um, so, again, this this topic, why we're asking about, you know, difference between trap game and, <laughs> and look-ahead game is obviously Sunday. Now, let me ask both you guys this. Are you at all worried because the emotion and the hype – and the uncertainty surrounding the first two games. I mean, look, I I didn't have a great deal of confidence going into Chicago. I'll admit that. At the end of the day, I did pick 
the Packers to win that game. But I, I mean, I, it was more of a leap of faith than yeah. rational thinking. Last week, I did feel a little bit better about it. Um, but, you know, they were a three-point favorite. And if anyone knows sports handicapping, the home team automatically or just off the top gets three points. So basically, that was a pick game last week. Now you're an eight-point favorite. Do you feel overwhelmingly confident in this game? Or is there still a slight doubt in the back of your mind, whether it's the offense, whether it's still Lafleur, or do you say, you know, whether it's that Denver's going to come in like playing hair and fire? I mean, like, what is your thought on this game Sunday? I don't honestly think this is a trap game. I think this is a game that the Packers are going to win handily. When you when you look at the teams they played, the Chicago Bears had the best defense in the NFL last year. Did they really change personnel besides swapping out Amos for a ha-ha Clinton Dix? I mean, what, what, what else did they really do that was of significance? And what, what happened? We saw the Packers still beat the Bears despite the Bears having the best defense in the NFL. The Packers got it done. Rodgers, he only had to make a handful of throws for them to beat the team. And then against the Vikings, it was an aging defense, but still a good defense. Rodgers in that first quarter and that scripted plays from the floor, they absolutely carved them up. Weren't they three for three in the first quarter for scoring possession? Yes, possessions? they scored on their first touchdowns on their first So we saw Rodgers and LaFleur really uncork that offense albeit for just one quarter, it kind of stumbled after that. But we saw what it could potentially be. And then you look at a Broncos defense. Yeah, Von Miller's good. Yeah, Chubb is good. But that's, a, that's another, that's an aging defense. And they're on the road. They're a little banged up. They're on the road, coming to Lambeau. Uh, the Packers have don't have to travel. They have familiarity of where they're at. And I think Rodgers and that offense is going to be clicking a little more because he saw a handful of throws week one. Then he saw a whole quarter in week two. Now hopefully you see a half or more come week three against the Broncos and with the Packers defense of how good they are there's this new vibe this new swag they're looking phenomenal do you really think Joe Flacco would be able to carve them up no no I don't think it's a trap game I think it's a game that the Packers is going to win by the way Nelson to Ebo's point did you see that tweet yesterday a quarterback pressures through week two Von Miller two Bradley Chubb two Rashawn Gary three yeah, I, I mean, want, I want, that, that I want a beat writer incredible. that panders to the Green Bay Packer fans where his sources are. Why didn't he cite a source? Pro Evo. Football Focus. Pro oh, football I, said, oh, I got a, I got tagged in a bunch of them. Um, you know who else? You know who else I got that stat from? Nelson ain't football. never played football in his life, so who gives a hell what Nelson likes? That Gilbert? could that could have been Gilbert Brown's stat, Nelson. <laughs> He's still coming for you. We got to get an update from Mama on Green. Tomorrow. He's coming for me. He better his ass better watch out. I'm coming for him. <laughs> yeah, quarterback pressures. Uh, Gary better than find it. I find it on the internet. There, I'll find if it, you go right. to Pro Football Reference or Focus, Pro Football Reference has him knocked down for zero. Yeah, they have every stat. I tried looking yesterday and I looked find all the over stat. and couldn't find that. I'm gonna say that's a made up stat no, by I, a Packer beat writer. I did try right finding here. it because that Pete. Whatever that guy is, I don't really care for that dude. I couldn't find the stat that he was referencing. He was hardly on the field enough plays to have three pressures, let alone, Anyways, let's say, log three. Without, with or without him, the Packers' defense is still the real deal. The Smith brothers are just beasting. And you got Blake Martinez in the middle just beasting. You got uh, Savage Jr. out there beasting. Everyone's getting – Kevin King is even getting interceptions. Well, this has got to be – It's it, Joe Flacco going against right. the, on the road going against the Packers. You know what? For all those people tagging us in tweets, and oh, no, he's, I shouldn't thing, have brought this up. No, I'm, I'm going to challenge any listener out there Listen. to actually find that stat and please tag us in that. 
I when I second what Nelson said because I tried finding the stat yesterday. Could not find and it. And it was non-existent. So I don't know what this dude maybe, was referencing. Maybe he's looking at what Chubb and Von Miller have done in actual games, and he's still counting Gary's practices as pressures. <laughs> yeah, you know what it <laughs> when is? When Rodgers is wearing a red oh, jersey. It's so obvious, Ebo, what's happening here. What's that? You of all people should know. You, you have experienced. How much... How many times in your life have you talked about deep state Packers? Oh, Packers deep state's real. I mean, this is deep state NFL trying to cover up. I mean, they're trying to suppress stats now. This is straight government conspiracy. Sounds like deep state Packers. Definitely not government right. conspiracy. No, it, it, what it is is I think it's, it's like you know I think emails it's and servers beat, have gone missing. I don't or think something. this guy's a beat writer. I think he's just the dude that watches mm. film and makes up his own stats. To be honest, well, with you. I will have a response uh, tomorrow. Uh, on Conspiracy Theory you Friday. You go into the deep, dark web, because that's maybe the only place you will find some Gary stats. I, <laughs> the deep, dark web. I, How do you even get on the dark web? I don't even, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's where you hire hitmen. You're going to have stuff. to find out if you want to find some Gary stats. Uh, 608-321-1670. <laughs> we, we will have a response on Conspiracy Theory Friday. I have, I, when I saw that tweet yesterday, I, I did. By the way, I got a doozy for Conspiracy I Theory I did my Friday. own research yesterday, Nelson, so you'll you'll just have to wait till tomorrow. Because we all conspiracies must be uh, vetted on Fridays. Well, we vetted them in other weeks or other days. Rarely, yeah. Nelson and I sat on one that was four days expired because we wanted to wait for you to come back from vacation. I have a doozy of one that involves UFOs and Blink One Eighty Two. I saw that. That is a good one. Wild. That's a very good one. I'll save it though. Uh, all right, before we get to uh, break, can we can we we get a pump up speech or something? My God, we're trying to give away free tickets here. I'm with you, bro. I was gonna say, can we can we get a final um, Trevor Davis bomb joke? Just one for the road. Because yeah, it's time really fizzled out in Green Bay. I saw that. If you missed it yesterday, Trevor Davis, uh, the Packer return man, uh, traded to the Oakland Raiders. I mean, I don't. It doesn't really bother me that much. You didn't. I don't. I can't believe. I, I thought dude had. He's film a turd. On, he's on a somebody. He's a dud. Um, could we go with that? Right. Did, Trevor Davis is a dud. Why would you? I'm so glad they traded him. I can't believe they got a six round pick for him. How do you get nothing from Mike Daniels, but you get a six-round pick for Mike Mike Jones? <laughs> who? Mike for, Jones. Who? Wow. For Trevor Davis. Trevor Davis stinks. So who becomes the punt returner now? I was trying to think of that last night. I don't know. Well, Shepard was doing it. He in was going to say the Darius Shepard. He a little banged up. Yeah, he's been hurt. Yeah. I think they just uh, they picked up someone on the waiver. Was it the cornerback from oh, yeah, Washington? Oh yeah. Tremont, was it, uh, what was his name? Tremont Smith from the Chiefs. Yeah, there you go. P- Chiefs practice squad. Yeah, he supposedly has some experience returning kicks and punts. Um, yeah, I, I mean, probably Tre- Trevor Davis's time in Green Bay fizzled out. Um, you know, the the it was a dud. Um, what else? Anything else? Um, I mean, we got to get these in while we, I mean, because they're, they're not, they're, you know. I, yeah, I did the fizzled out one. <laughs> well, we, you got to think of some. Nelson, you got any bomb jokes? You can't say bomb on a plane. Bomb, 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 bomb. I don't really have much to say about Trevor Davis other than he stunk. He was terrible. He wasn't very explosive. He he definitely was short on explosive plays. He ran super high. It's not a bomb joke, Nelson. It's not, but he just did. (laughs) He didn't get the Remember when the ball would be coming in on the five-yard line and he'd fair catch it and pin the Packers back right by their end zone? The best part about that tweet was when they said, a good return man, Trevor Davis. Good. Did they watch no, him? No, they didn't watch. Is there a difference between a trap game and a look-ahead game? It's it's close right now. 54-46, no. 
with a slight lead. I would have said no, but after like the Michigan things kind of got me thinking now with the Michigan Army and some of these college games where like yeah, if you're a, if you're playing like your big conference rival the next week, like I would say Wisconsin, there's a lot of factors to why Wisconsin lost to BYU last year. But I believe the biggest one of all is they were playing Iowa the next week. You, you, you don't know, think it's just because Hornibrook was no, not they, good at all and no not, one wanted to play for him? And, and Hornibrook was not the reason they lost to BYU. He was the reason that season maybe came apart later. I mean, he was the reason they beat Iowa the next week. So I cannot blame Alex Hornibrook for losing to BYU. There's two reasons why they lost to BYU. They won 44-6 the previous year in BYU, mm-hmm. and they believe that they if they can do that there, all they have to do is show up at Camp Randall, and that they were playing Iowa the next week in Iowa City, and they hadn't beaten Iowa in a couple years. And, of course, what are you going to do? You're going to, of course, just say, well, we're going to win this game. The season starts next week because that, of course, was their Big Ten opener. So, yeah, if you had uh, – if Michigan and Wisconsin was last week – I could understand Michigan taking Army not that seriously, but they had, like you said, it they had a bye week. Yeah, I can't bye. explain how Army as a twenty-seven point underdog lost in double overtime in Ann Arbor. Well, I think it's because Michigan was exposed by Army. Army, how much did they rush for against Michigan? It's like over two hundred yards. And that's Army. Just think what a guy named Jonathan Taylor can do I with an offensive line like the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, but the one thing with that though is. Running the triple option versus a pro-style offense True. like Wisconsin is so much different for stopping a run based on your defensive assignments and schemes. You have to learn different schemes, different gaps. So it is different. So, yes. Now, should Michigan still theoretically Army. have stopped Army? Yes, they should have. They're much more athletic. They're much what better What was the line team. on that? Uh, 22. <sighs> So, yeah, they should have still beat them, but trying to learn those different schemes on how to stop that one specific offense that you only see that one time a year can bring up difficulties, can bring up some issues. I think you get a much better performance out of Michigan. I still think Wisconsin wins the game, though. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Uh, you know, it, we were talking about, man, you know, like last week we were all fired up. Like, man, let's play Michigan right now. And, you know, because we thought maybe Michigan was, you know, right for the fall. Well, that doesn't mean that Wisconsin wouldn't like the bye week either. Uh, but again, back to the question, and you could apply this question of trap game look ahead, certainly to Green Bay and Denver on Sunday. But I think to, you know, I don't, Wisconsin, Michigan's clearly not a trap game look ahead, but the question would be leading into this game. Wisconsin's coming in this game outscoring opponents 110 to nothing. That hasn't happened in college football since 1980. Michigan's coming into this game escaping with their life <laughs> against Army. And the week before that at home, they beat Middle Tennessee 40 to 20. Dude. So Michigan has looked like crap the first two weeks. Army's quarterback against Michigan, he was two for four for 43 yards <laughs> well, and, yeah. an, and an interception. <laughs> Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn, I, a serviceable, looking like a really good quarterback so far for the Badgers. Do you think he's going to go two for four for 43 yards and one interception? That no. sounds like his stats from Northwestern. That sounds like Alex Hornibrook last year. Well, I mean, all the measurables. I mean, go and then go one further. The Badger defense, last time I checked, hasn't given up a point, right? Um, yeah, they, they've given up nothing. Nothing. Uh, Shea Patterson had a quarterback rating of 59 against Army. Yikes. If he, if Trey Patterson had a 59 quarterback rating against Army's defense, what will he? What will happen when he goes up against the number one rated defense in 
the yeah, nation. Shea Patterson, 19 and 29 for 207 yards. That's it. Michigan as a team in in double overtime. So think about how many possessions they had. Michigan as a team against Army had 108 rushing yards. Wisconsin's giving up six yards, not a play, a series through the first two weeks. If Michigan couldn't get yards against Army, how in the world are they going to get move the ball against the Badgers on Saturday? Now, do you ever? And I believe in this sometimes too. Is playing like the Brewers, for example, playing down to your level of competition. I feel like Michigan Michigan's going to have a lot better go at it than they did that showing against Army. But when you go up against Wisconsin, the best defense in the land, and you've got a serviceable quarterback, any of the fatal four, the four wide receivers, I can. we've never had wide receivers like this for Wisconsin. Four of them like that? My God. And then you got Jonathan Taylor. There's too many weapons for Michigan to try and stop. Michigan, all they had to do was stop one thing against Army, and that was running the football. Yeah, they couldn't and do they it. they couldn't do it. We have, the, we have Jonathan the Badgers have Jonathan Taylor. The Badgers have the Fatal Four and the wide receivers. The Badgers have Jack Cohen, a quarterback that is looking good, and they have a defense. To me, it spells Michigan's going to take a big L. And when's the last time? Michigan, every time they're as an underdog, they haven't won a game in the last 13 years as an underdog on the road. Again, Just in um, big games in general under Harbaugh, they've not only lost them, they've struggled to cover. Every number, and but that's again. Does that worry you as a fan? Because every single number points to Wisconsin, and Wisconsin big. And is it one of those when, if it's that obvious, it's it's just that obvious? Yeah, maybe, or yeah. when it's when there are so many numbers. It's like yesterday we were talking about Northwestern and Michigan State on the Daily Action Zone, like. Northwesterns look pretty good, and they always flip the switch when they go into the Big Ten. Michigan State's looked awful, yet Michigan State's a 10-point favorite on Saturday. Why is that? Does Vegas know something we don't know? Like, it doesn't make sense that Northwestern's a 10-point underdog at home against Michigan State, other than somebody somewhere knows something. So that gives me a little bit of pause before I bet on that game because there's no reason why I don't love Michigan or Northwestern getting 10 points at home. It's kind of the same thing here with this game. Like, everything about this matchup says I love Wisconsin to win. And why is it only a three-point favorite? Why you know, why, why are we even worried about why is Michigan the 10th-ranked team in the country? If you look at every stat, Wisconsin should roll on Saturday. Maybe the reality of the situation is Wisconsin's just better. I wonder if you took the two teams and their stats and their records, stats, and you took away the names, and you did a blind test of which team, great what team is better, and what would, team do you think? Everyone would, would think it'd be Michigan. If you just did the like, the, they do that on Selection Sunday every year. They'll take you know one of those mid majors like the College of Charleston, and then they'll take like Syracuse, and they'll white out the names, and everyone always thinks, oh, that's the Power Five school, and it's the little guy school because they're always trying to make the yeah. argument, you know, that the the majors get more love on Selection Sunday than the mid majors. They do that exercise every year. Yep. You could do the same thing here because, yeah, the, the, nobody would say, wait a minute, that's Wisconsin? That's not Michigan? Yeah, blow people's minds. I think the reality of the situation is Wisconsin is just a better team, but Michigan has the name, has the, has the name, the name recognition. Look at that. Dude, that Army game was eye-opening for me. Well, Michigan that's my was point, exposed. Though. Nelson, have you, I, I, you know, I, I had the bet up on my screen, and I have not hit submit because there's some, like, the Michigan State Northwestern game to me, I just I can't get my arms around it. There's no reason why I wouldn't take Northwestern plus ten, yeah, other I'm, than they're. It, but that makes no. That's too obvious. Like 
So I feel like somebody somewhere is begging me to take Northwestern plus 10. How many points do you think this Michigan State offense can score? 10, 14, maybe? Well, if they can only score 14, I would hope Northwestern could score four. <laughs> Two safeties? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, doesn't that just seem like Vegas isn't in the business of giving money away, right? Are we in Michigan I, State Northwestern now? Well, yeah, but Sometimes I'm using it as players... an analogy for this game because it's the same principle applies to Wisconsin-Michigan. Based on the stats, there's no way Wisconsin would shouldn't you say, destroy Michigan on Saturday. Would you obviously is South Florida a cupcake? No, I don't think so. Is they're a bowl Central team. Michigan a cupcake? Yes, hundred yes. percent. Is Army a cupcake? No, no. I think they're a good team. Okay, so Wisconsin handles their business against a decent team in South Florida, destroys Central Michigan, one of the worst losses in Central Michigan history. Yeah. But when you would see Army and Michigan, wouldn't you think Michigan would smash Army? Army's been a sneaky, decent team. What wouldn't you think? You would think Michigan would cover I, again. The spread's there for a reason. I yeah, thought I'm it not was talking a, sneaky good team. Like just right. right when you look at it, like oh, they should smash. Yeah, Army's Nelson's right. They're sneaky good. That being and Middle said, Tennessee State has been sneaky good the last few years too. They're they're a borderline bowl team every right. year. They're teams that in mid majors are good. Would Army or Middle Tennessee win eight games in the Big Ten? Of course not. No. Are, are can they be decent teams? Yeah, I think they are. But to your point, Evil. So it wasn't South, it at Ann Arbor. Uh, yeah, both of them were. I mean, South Florida once was six and zero last year. Yeah. Don't talk about what happened at the end of the year, but yeah, they started six and zero. And that was and people forget this. Army went to Ann Arbor to face Michigan, and Michigan needed overtime. They looked like turds. I think Wisconsin's just better, straight up. Well, I think you see that when they, they line the game and it comes out at 3-3.5 three, three for Wisconsin, saying they're either a pick em or Wisconsin's a half point better than Michigan. Uh, by the way, good news uh, from our friends at Odds Shark. Uh, they just put out uh, betting odds on Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Um, because he's going to be traded tomorrow, it sounds like. And the Chiefs, no surprise, plus 150. Uh, Raiders now moving to the second spot at plus 600. This would just be the end of all. This would be like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, End of Days, where they thought the world was going to end at 2000. Patriots. Patriots third now at 7-1. to one. Eagles at 10-1. to one. And then how about this? In a group at 14-1, to one, Seahawks, Cowboys, 49ers, and, and, yeah, and, Build up. Go, Pack, go! The Green Bay Packers on the board for Jalen Ramsey odds. You guys want Nelson, you want to take a 14 to 1 flyer on Jalen Ramsey to the Packers tomorrow? I don't see him coming to the Packers. No. If I you, don't if I don't you do, either. if you if you want to bet on it, just give me your cash. I'll well, there's it. only seven teams that got betting odds. Chiefs. Oh, staying with the Jaguars is six to one also. Okay, so there's but- seven six new teams. Chiefs. Raiders, Patriots, Eagles, Seahawks, 49ers, Packers. So there's seven teams. Have, seven teams. So remember when Khalil Mack was going to get traded and all those teams were on there and the Bears weren't? That's correct. The Bears were not even on the on the radar screen. Yeah. Oh, and Joe. Because everybody thought that, you know, the Raiders, I guarantee, are pissed because they thought that the Ra- I mean, the Bears were going to be – had the Raiders thought they were going to be 12-4 and four last year, I guarantee Khalil Mack wouldn't <laughs> be on the – the Raiders wanted top 10 draft picks. Yeah. Talk about a, a whiff. Now they have Trevor Davis. Speaking of help, uh, maybe help us answer this question, Rob, because we put this to a poll, and I don't know if, if it's semantics or if there really is a difference, you know, because I've heard two terms referenced by the national media on this game with Green Bay and Denver, and that's, you know, it's either a look-ahead game, you know, because you've got, you know, the Eagles, or it's a trap game because you're coming off two emotional wins back-to-back, you know, in the division, 
Is there a difference between the two? Is a trap game and a look-ahead game the same thing, or can you can there be a difference of, boy, just the emotion that you spent the last two games is a different emotion than, hey, we know we have a short term, we have another big opponent coming in in four days in, in the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I do think they're all largely one and the same there, Joe. But, you know, what I will say is is I'm not really buying into the fact that, that this is going to be one of those games. I I just – this team, Joe, and, and you guys know this well, just hasn't accomplished enough in the last 24, 36 months to take anybody anywhere for granted, to, to believe they've got anything in their hip pocket and start looking ahead four days to the next game or anything like that. This, this group, honestly, guys, just really isn't good enough right now or yet to do that. They're, they're good enough on defense. They're certainly not good enough on offense. And, and I, I don't get the feeling at all, and, and I was over there talking to a number of people yesterday that, that that's going to be the case. It, it was a little bit unique, I guess, for them to you know kind of have the mental day, the rest day yesterday. Um, that, that's a little bit outside the box, but I, I know it, it happened too, and in Philly, and I think the Colts have done it recently, I saw, and people are, you know, kind of trending in that direction inside the league as, you know, we get a little bit softer and softer, I guess, as a society, and don't put the pads on, but um, I, I, I don't think that necessarily hurts them guys come Sunday in that game against Denver. I, I honestly just think Sunday is it's going to come down to the simple fact Green Bay's got too many ways to hurt Denver, and Denver doesn't have enough, enough ways to hurt Green Bay, certainly with Flacco. Go ahead, Eve. Uh, Rob, so when you look at this offense and Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and the first game Aaron Rodgers completed a handful of passes that helped them win the game outside of the defense. Then you have one quarter uh, against uh, the Vikings last Sunday and then all of a sudden the offense kind of stymied and went stagnant. What do you expect from the offense in game number three? It, well, I, I think everybody needs to expect improvement, Evo. Um, they're not going to look certainly like they did the first quarter against Minnesota, or, or I guess if they do, then, it, then it's time for Matt LaFleur not to script 15 or 20 plays, guys. He's got to, he's got to script 60 or something like that right. because, boy, he's, he was sharp to start that game. They haven't played offense like that in a long time uh, in Green Bay. But, but then, it, it, you guys, you're exactly right. I mean, the next 10 drives, do at, they go absolutely nowhere and do absolutely nothing. Um, I, I think, you know, counting the 10 points they scored in Chicago, what, what have they scored? Five out of 25 drives, I think, so 20% of the time. I mean, that's you want that doubled inside that league to to be a consistent winning football team. I mean, they are very fortunate there that they have the number two scoring defense right now in football. But uh, Evo, I think as this group you know plays together a little bit longer and and they become more comfortable with Lafleur in general, I I think it's a very fair expectation for the fan base and anybody out there that that the offense is is going to take uh, take major strides. Are they going to be an offense like 2011 where they scored 560 points? No. Are they Are they going to look like they did at various times in the McCarthy era where they were the number one or two offense in football? No. But I, I don't think, guys, it's, it's unrealistic to think at some point they can get into the top 12, let's say, in offense. And, and as good as that defense has been, guys, if that, if that continues to be a top five, top seven kind of a defense, you know, they're going to win 10, 11 football games that way. Who do you give more credit to for that defense and the success, Brian Gutekunst or Mike Pettin? I mean, they both get it on some levels, but obviously I'd give it to Gutekunst first. I mean, you you have to have players. I mean, the defensive coordinator guys hasn't changed from last year, but the players have. I mean, for example, I was talking to your guy, Blake Martinez, about this yesterday. I said, you know, I said to him, he had, he had seven interceptions last year. He had 15 turnovers that, that they forced, right? So that's one turnover roughly 
a game. They're already at five through two games, so two and a half a game. And he said it comes down to the simple fact they just have more playmakers. They just have more players. I mean, Gutekunst guys really did. I, I, I don't think I'm, I, I, I want to temper this a little bit because it's only two games, but I don't think we're premature in saying that he hit home runs on all three of those defensive guys. You know, we don't talk a lot about Adrian Amos, but he's so steady back there. He does everything right. You know, he, he, he's a little bit a little bit better than Morgan Burnett, kind of a similar player, um, you know, in that he's he's not going to wow you with stats at the end of the day. He's not going to have seven interceptions at the end of the season, but he's going to have 100 tackles. He's going to do everything right. Uh, he's going to get everybody lined up properly, and he's just kind of the brains of that, of that that side of things. He hit a home run in the first round with Savage. I mean, you guys saw last week the – the deflected ball that Preston Smith eventually intercepted. I mean, that's that's a play, guys. Not many people in the league can make. And then, obviously, on both Smiths, he's I think he's hit it out of the park. Um, you know, I've raved about Zadarius since since the day he walked into the building, he's pretty the much. And, and Preston is really, really solid. Probably not going to be quite as flashy, but um, you know, all of a sudden now you give you give Petten those four new players and four new weapons and. I mean, they're going to keep their fingers crossed yet, I think, on Rashawn Gary, and, and that could be a work in progress, and it's, it might be a year or two away. I'm not sure he can help a whole lot in 2019. But those other four guys, I mean, I'm telling you, he's, he's upgraded that defense tremendously, and, and I, I think Mike Penton's really good, guys, but I, I think a lot of defensive coordinators could look pretty good with that group right now. Uh, visiting with our uh, Packer insider, Rob Reichel, uh, Forbes.com. Hey, uh, Rob, who returns uh, kicks and punts on Sunday now that uh, – Trevor Davis is no longer a Green Bay Packer. He fizzled out. Joe, I'm guessing it's the Smith kid that they just signed, you know, at, uh, kind of off the street. He, he was fourth in the league in kicks last year, about 27 a game. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I was certainly surprised with the with the Trevor Davis move. I, I think they've got another move in store here, guys. I, I, don't, I don't think that's the end of it at the wide receiver group. I think they're looking at that group on a whole – and they're saying, is, is this group good enough to get us to a Super Bowl? Do we, have enough, do we have enough weapons? Do we have enough dynamic playmakers? And the answer is clearly no, because after Adams and Jones, there's, there's not a whole lot there that, that's going to scare an opposing defensive coordinator. So it wouldn't shock me, guys, especially with Drew Brees and Cam Newton kind of down and those teams probably out of the playoff race pretty early, um, that the NFC is wide open right now. They have Philly at home, which will be a huge game. Dallas will be a huge game. But, but I mean, they've, they've got to start thinking in the context of, you know, if we get to the postseason, do we, have enough, do we have enough people, you know, to beat teams like that, to beat the Rams, to beat Seattle? So, I, you know, I, I know I strayed a little bit on your question, Joe, but I, I, think, I think they've got another wide receiver maybe in mind or that they're going to target at some point in time by the trading deadline. Um, you know, but specifically for Sunday – my guess, and, and we'll find out more on that today, you know, before talked yesterday at, I don't know, 11 in the morning before the trade was made. But, but I'm going to guess the Smith kid that they just signed, guys, is, is going to be their, their guy on Sunday. Hey, Rob, on that front with the quarterbacks, what's your take now uh, with eight of the quarterbacks that started week one out, some, you know, for the year, some maybe forever, in a case like Eli Manning, that's 25% of the starting quarterbacks. Is it just a, a statistic anomaly or, you know, are, are like the quarterbacks under target? This year? like, what's your take on just the, this rash of, of quarterbacks going down here in the first couple of weeks? I think it's fluky, Joe. I mean, as you and I both well know, the quarterbacks have never been more protected. 
There's never been a, a, a larger set of rules established to keep these guys clean. That's right. I mean, you can't put the Saints on primetime. No, nobody's going to watch Teddy Bridgewater or whoever plays Taysom Hill or whoever winds up playing quarterback there. Um, it's, it's not what the league wants. The league doesn't want these guys out. No one's going to want to watch Mason Rudolph. So everything has been set up to, to protect these quarterbacks and to keep them clean and to keep them right and to keep them upright. And, I, Joe, I just think it's fluky. You know, there's always going to be the benching of veteran for the fifth, sixth pick in the draft that, that comes up pretty early in the year. You watch Washington will do this pretty soon with the Ohio State kid and Case Keenum. And, I mean, that, that stuff's going to happen. But, uh, you know, when, when you're talking these injuries to Big Ben and, and Drew Brees and stuff like that, I, I do think that, that that's largely fluky. And uh, we'll look back, and that's going to be an anomaly. All right, uh, before we get your game day pick, uh, you know, on the, the, the Broncos front, I mean, we talked about this earlier. I mean, I don't think they're at the level of Bears or Vikings, but, you know, this is another pretty good defense. Uh, win or lose, Rob, could there could we be sitting back here next week again talking about the offense because there's a chance that they don't just go off like everybody wants because they're playing another decent defense, or is, is Denver not at that level? Well, you know, Denver's, Denver's a team in transition, Joe, so they're, they're a weird team, and we're – we're kind of learning right now, you know. Plus, it's an uncommon opponent. They they play them every four years, so it's it's a little tough to put your finger on. But I get the feeling, you know. I mean, I mean, put it this way: Denver's defense is completely structured around those two terrific outside rushers, right, with M- Miller and Chubb. And if you can neutralize those guys, there's going to be a lot available to you. Well, Green Bay's two tackles have done as good of a job as as you can possibly do neutralizing. Uh, standout pass rushers to start this year. So my money in that game is on Bakhtiari and Balaga to probably at least have a draw or even win those matchups. And, Joe, if they do, I think this offense is ready to take off. Um, now, if they win the game, I don't think, you know, and it's, and it's 10 to 9 or 17 to 12, I don't think anybody can whine and complain. They'll be sitting there at 3 and 0. But I just have a gut feeling that they're going to stymie those pass rushers this weekend and the, and the offense is ready to, yeah. to do something big. Yeah. All right, uh, Packers trending seven and a half, eight point favorite. Robbie, how do you see this thing playing out on Sunday? Come on, Robbie. Not enough points, Joe. I I, I think this is a route. I think this is thirty one thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think I think the offense gets going. The defense does what it's done. Joe Flacco can't move. I I think he's a bottom six to eight quarterback in the league. I I don't understand why John Elway put his money into that player. Um, it, it's a desperation move. They don't have enough playmakers on their side of the ball to make a great deal of difference. And, and if the Packers get up early and Flacco's got a wing in around the yard, Green Bay's going to probably get a defensive score in there too, guys. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going Green Bay big. Hell yeah, Robbie. Hey, guys. All right. Have a great day. See you, homie. There he is, our uh, Packer insider. Follow him at Rob underscore Reichel and uh, follow his uh, Packer coverage at Forbes.com. We say good morning to Kyle Fredrickson of the Denver Post. Covers the Broncos. Got to get the other side of the equation uh, for Sunday's game. Morning, Kyle. Good morning, fellas. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. you. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. All right, Kyle, before we get into Packers, Broncos, I got to know, man, what is the vibe in Denver, in Mile High, after that finish, that egregious uh, roughing the passer and then a miracle bear kick? Obviously, we don't think too much of the Bears around these parts. What was the reaction to the end of that game on Sunday? Uh, dumbfounded, I, I think is maybe the best word to describe it. I, I covered quite a bit of college football before covering the NFL and have seen some strange finishes, but to see a coach 
uh, go for it on two, then end up having a penalty, having to kick the extra point, having the opposing team go offside in that extra point, retrying the second time on the second two-point attempt, and then getting it, uh, it, that was crazy enough before you even factor in that uh, really weak uh, roughing the passer call that set up the Bears' final field goal. So there's a, I think there's a little bit of a hangover there. I feel like this is a team uh, that doesn't quite think that they're as bad as their record indicates, obviously, after just two games. Um, but certainly something they're going to have to get over quick because uh, no, no point in wallowing in the past uh, with such a big one coming up. What's the Denver fan base and you know the media over there think of Joe Flacco and him coming and John Elway investing into him? I think the initial reception was pretty lukewarm, and it's hard to blame people just based on how things ended in Baltimore and the fact that you know going from Case Keenum to Joe Flacco, while it might be an update, it's just not really enough to to really get people all that excited. Now I will say through these first couple games and some of the issues the Broncos have, I I wouldn't pin too many on Flacco. He had a pretty bad red zone interception against the Bears that really did hurt them. But outside of that, he's been efficient operating the offense sort of within a a pretty controlled measure. The the Broncos haven't opened things up too much. Uh, Part of that's just been part of uh, game situations and and where they are in the field and and, and playing from behind. But for Joe, you know, it's certainly a a fresh start for him, and, and I think he's really embraced this opportunity in Denver uh, probably didn't see this team starting 0-2 um, but the Broncos still feel pretty comfortable with uh, what they got at quarterback. Uh, visiting with Kyle Fredrickson for the Denver Post covers the Broncos so speaking of 0-2 then Kyle we were trying to answer this question on on our side you know of, you know a, a look ahead or trap game you know for, for the Broncos at 0-2 you know do you use the term desperation uh, only in week three I mean people always talk about the numbers you know teams that start 0-3 or 0-4 and just how rare it is to make the playoffs I mean is the term desperation being floated around Denver with this 0-2 start and, and the thought of going 0-3 with a loss on Sunday yeah I, I think there's just sort of the, this moment of truth really where this team and John Elway the general manager has to decide if they have the pieces to win now or if this is just a team that's going to have to rebuild and, and needs new players to get better. So, yeah, I, you, we the Broncos fans know the numbers here and, and the fact that going 0-3 all but eliminates their chances. You know, looking back at the last decade, there's usually one or two teams that will sneak in uh, to the playoffs after an 0-2 start. There were two of them last year with, with the Texans um, and, and one other team, I believe, uh, the Seahawks. So, yeah, there, there's certainly a, a little bit of hope there that things could get turned around. But, yeah, going 0-3 and, and, and having to, to, to come back and hopefully these Broncos could, could get a win against the Jaguars with, with some of the health problems that they have. Uh, there's still some winnable games down the line, but losing to the Packers, I think, all but puts this team out of playoff contention, as it rightfully should, because they've been in position to win some of these games, but just haven't been able to make the plays, and, and that's what separates you know, the, the average teams from the great teams. So Kyle, I saw you wrote this article, I think yesterday was for the Denver Post, and talking about sack production against the Packers and getting to Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, the line's been pretty good for the Packers. Is Aaron Rodgers, is that, your big, is that the Broncos, do you think, their biggest person to stop, even though he's had quite a slow start for the first two games? Oh, for sure. The the respect level there is, is through the roof. And, you know, I guess for the Broncos, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or whoever's playing quarterback, they just have to get after him. They're the last team in the league right now with no sacks after two games. Uh, Bradley Chubb has two quarterback hits, and, and that's the only ones that are currently on the, 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 the stat book. I mean, that's, that's talking about uh, a guy like Von Miller being on the team, an all-pro, a Super Bowl MVP, still no sacks, still no QB hits. 
Um, so there's some things that I expect the Broncos to do schematically to try to improve that against the Packers with Aaron Rodgers' propensity to sometimes hold on to the ball and try to make plays downfield. They just have to take advantage of that. Von Miller has to get to the quarterback. Um, and I assume that those will come. You know, this was a, a duo in Bradley Chubb and Von Miller that combined for 26 and a half sacks last year. So they've shown they can do it. Um, it's just been a really slow start. And, and it's very curious considering Vic Fangio's uh, reputation as a defensive mastermind, his work with outside linebackers. Uh, we all sort of assumed that Bradley Chubb would take a huge step this year and maybe even Vaughn would increase his production. Um, but through two games, it's, it's been a 180-degree spin from that, and uh, the team's really kind of searching for answers uh, to how to combat it because I would expect nothing less than more of a, a quick passing game from Rodgers uh, trying to get that ball out of his hands quick on Sunday. So, Kyle, we, you know, very unpacker. Like the first two weeks, it's been, you know, by and large the Packer defense that is uh, getting the job done. When you, you talk about the Bronco offense, um, you know, what, where I know you talked a little bit about Flacco. I mean, is this a, you know, uh, do they want to establish the run on Sunday? Um, you know, is, is the Packer defense versus the Bronco offense the matchup? Like, how do you view the Bronco offense going up against this Packer defense from what you've seen the first couple of weeks of the season? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to, to see a Packers team that's led by defense and it's caught the attention of, of these Broncos for sure, you know, and, and they're scouting and, and talking to us yesterday about what they expect. And in terms of what the Broncos want to do offensively, uh, they got a first-year offensive coordinator in Rich Gangarello. He comes from the Mike Shanahan uh, coaching tree, kind of some McVay ties there and what they'd like to do offensively, uh, and really utilizing the play action and the run to set up some of the passing game. And the Broncos have some great tailbacks. Philip Lindsay uh, was an undrafted pro bowler as a rookie last year uh, for this team at a CU, a great feel-good story. Uh, they've got Royce Freeman, who's also in his sophomore NFL season now out of Oregon, who's more of their power back. So they have the one-two punch they really like. Uh, but this is a team that hasn't been able to play with a lead in the first two games. They've been forced to throw the ball in the second half and try to play catch-up uh, and not really utilize those guys. So I think best-case scenario from the Broncos' end uh, is this is a game where it's close throughout. They're able to control the football on the ground um, and utilize some of that play action because to this point, they simply just haven't been able to use it very often, um, and it hasn't really opened up much downfield. So the Broncos like the weapons they have. There's a couple injuries on the offensive line that are concerning. Uh, Garrett Bowles at left tackle is, leads the NFL in holding uh, for what seems like uh, all of his years in the NFL now. Uh, so there are some issues to address uh, on the offense, but the, like I said before, the Broncos want to figure out how to run the ball and then exploit it with play, play action on the back end uh, against some uh, very aggressive uh, Packers defensive backs. Hey, Kyle, speaking of that offense for the Broncos, Emmanuel Sanders, is this guy a freak of nature or is there at modern, modern medical advances? He tears his Achilles. He's already back getting things done. <laughs> Talk on Emmanuel Sanders and his, his recovery. Yeah, I mean, the, guy, the guy's 31 years old. It's, it's amazing the fact that he's able to rebound as fast as, as he did. And, and, you know, he said all the right things after the injury, how he planned to be back for week one and how this was a, a, you know, a minor setback for a major comeback, all that. And you sort of roll your eyes in the moment when you hear it. But when you watch him play and you watch that toe-tap touchdown that he had against the Bears, he was also responsible for the two-point conversion. Um, he's the Broncos' most explosive weapon. Um, they want Cortland Sutton <clears throat> there to develop into a number one wide receiver. He's their big body guy, another second-year player they really like. But until Emmanuel Sanders slows down, there's no reason that Joe Flacco shouldn't make him his lead target. With his ability to get open uh, and also stretch the field vertically, uh, he's, he's probably the Broncos' best deep threat. 
in terms of his combination of speed and, and ability to run after the catch. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, the fact that, that he's up and running at this point um, after Taylor and Achilles in December, uh, really incredible and, and a nod to him for, for the amount of work he had to put uh, to get back to this point. Hey, uh, great stuff, my man. We uh, appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. If you need the other side, uh, feel free to give us a shout. No doubt. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, man. Thank Good stuff. Uh, Kyle Fredrickson uh, from the Denver Post. Um, that did a smooth. That's good, man. Um, yeah. I, I just can't get over Nelson that Rashawn Gary has more pressures than Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. I can't believe you guys are off on that pick. We what still have no, no one is still proven that that is real. Yeah, Deep State. Can't believe you would fall. Someone who fought against Deep State, even when you were it's right. It's not even the Packers. This guy this. named Pete Bukowski said Rashawn Gary had how many? Oh, your mic's off. Speaking of getting silenced. Oh, I, don't, I even but... went to the Packers.com and couldn't find it in their game logs or anything. <laughs> There's one I guy think on he's Twitter. making this up. He made up a stat. I tried Un- to fact check him. The fact, the fact doesn't even exist. If anything, you're the mouthpiece for Deep State right now. Unbelievable. I, I'm a truth seeker. I'm Apparently not. A, I'm a wind seeker. <laughs>